Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. You know the poinsettia plant? Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas week to you. Um, uh, Happy New Year uh, as well, a little bit early. But yeah, uh, poinsettia plants, right? Those are those are certainly something that are hugely important, especially if you're living um, in a place where you can get access to them and have them as decorations. Oftentimes, you'll see them in churches. Um, it's a it's it's a beautiful plant, one that I've always enjoyed taking a look at, especially this time of the year. Well, liberals in the mainstream media are now collectively looking to distort Christmas and the holiday season. How so? Well. The Washington Post was trying to change things up. Now Vox, Vox, which on Tuesday tweeted out its video from December 21st, claiming that people are now renaming poinsettia plants. They don't want to call them poinsettia plants any longer. As the approximately seven-minute video begins by pointing out, the poinsettia has numerous other names, including the... Cutlaxochitl, one of the oldest names from the Aztec, but also a particularly hard-to-pronounce word. When it comes to how the plant came here, it has to do with what Vox refers to as the controversial legacy of Joel Poinsett. Oh, no. Now they're coming for Joel Poinsett? I have no idea who that is. Besides the centuries-old use of and difficult to pronounce name, that name, the acute loxocatol, is even less necessary a name given to use, given that Mexicans who live in the region where the plant is native started going with their own name after Spanish friars. Not, not people making French fries, Spanish friars, you know, the, 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 the monks. After they used the poinsettia plant to decorate nativity scenes, Spanish-speaking Mexicans started calling it La Flor de Noche Buena, the flower of Christmas Eve. Joel Poinsett, who in 1825 was appointed Minister of Mexico, is the one responsible for making the plant known more around the world. He sent it back home to be shared with fellow botanists. They were debuted at an 1829 flower show in Philadelphia. The name Poinsettia stuck as a way to celebrate Joel Poinsett's legacy, who would also become the U.S. Secretary of War and was elected to the Congress, he was a founding member of what would be the Smithsonian. Poinsett supposedly has a tainted legacy because during his time as minister, he was, quote, aggressively attempting to increase American influence. Oh, my gosh. He's one of them. He's one of those people that thinks America is a great place. What can we do about this? Quick. Somebody get Howard Zinn on the phone. It's going to be a very long-distance call. But he was aggressively attempting to increase American influence there and expand the American border until he was recalled to the United States at the request of the Mexican president. He, like many other people of his time, thought less of those that he referred to as aboriginals and as a South Carolina native also owned slaves. That's bad. Mexicans used the term poinsettissimo as an insult it was poinsett's role as secretary of war 
because he's from South Carolina, Secretary of War and involvement in the Trail of Tears that, according to the Trail of Tears video, cemented the poinsettia's place in history as a man who believed in American expansion at all costs. Andy Jackson had a lot to do with it. I mean, Andy Jackson was really, he was the president that did the Trail of Tears. It really, it's Andy Jackson that does deserve, Andy Jackson, it was a Republican called Andy, wait, no, it was a Democrat called Andy Jackson that did the Trail of Tears. Hmm. Which means Poinsett is probably also a Democrat. Because there wasn't a Republican Party back in 1825. That wouldn't happen until much, much later on in American history. So to Vox's ire, Poinsett's legacy remains not just with the Poinsettia plant, but with state parks, highways, statues in his home state of South Carolina. All of that's got to go. They're going to take all that. It's all got to get taken down, uh, get rid of it, and then... We'll have to put something else there, I guess, right? The plant has been engineered further in the United States to become more full and compact. So we've improved the poinsettia or the Lakatakachotl. I can't pronounce it. I don't know. I don't speak Aztec. I'm sorry. Like, I literally don't speak Aztec. And an industry worth $170 million in this country. The video laments, by the way, how importantly the market that the U.S. has cornered while shutting Mexican out, Mexico out. So we're like, we're cultural appropriators who are also dominating the market. Worth pointing out is that the video also mentions how the Mexican version of the plant was more likely to wither, which is why it was originally called the Cuitlaxicotl. I think I got it right that time. I think I think I hit that one finally. It isn't until about the last moments of the video that the claim is made that the people are actually going about remaining renaming the plant. In recent years, many have found a different small way to honor the plant's history, which is supposedly by rejecting the name Poinsettia and using the Ax the uh, the Aztec name, which is a name that hopefully reminds people of the true origins of the plant of the season. There's no mention of how many is a many. I mean, there are people in Mexico, you know, there's people in Mexico who don't speak Aztec either. There's all kinds of languages in Mexico. I mean, there's this incredible, there's, there's an incredible diversity of people in Mexico. There's people that speak Spanish, and then there's tribal languages, uh, and then you've got Aztec uh, uh, down there as well. In fact, Victor Davis Hansen, I was talking to Victor Davis Hansen one time. You guys know him, right? He's a super smart professor. I think he's like a seventh generation Californian. Like he's been, his family's been in California, I think, since like the late 1700s. He tells the story of everything being bilingual in California. You got to do everything bilingual, trilingual, quadlingual, because you got to put it in a variety of different languages, okay? So they have a community near where he lives, and they sent a bunch of uh, bulletins, you know, alerts to the parents of the kids in the schools. And so they had to print them on one side of the paper was English and on the other side of the paper was Spanish. I grew up with a very similar set of circumstances living in El Paso, Texas, right? Because it's a very bilingual place. It's 88% Hispanic and about 10% uh, Anglo, as they would call. So 
you would get double-sided stuff. You get, okay, front is English, back is Spanish, or front is Spanish, back is English, whatever. You just kind of deal with it over time. So the superintendent of the schools was spending $100,000 a year printing out sheets that would go to the parents in the community. But there was a problem. You know what the problem was? There in the Central Valley of California, you had communities of people from Mexico who had emigrated to work as as part of agricultural work and construction work and things like that. They emigrated, some legally, some illegally, but their kids were in the schools and they were being educated. The superintendent sends out the alert that's got the Spanish on one side, the English on the other, goes out to the parents, and then he gets all these questions from the parents about what he just sent out. And he's saying to himself, wait a minute, hold on. I gave him to you in English. I gave it to you in Spanish. Turns out, turns out the people didn't speak English or Spanish. They spoke a tribal language uh, down in southern Mexico, like down by Chiapas. So what are you going to do? They printed all those documents, distributed it out to the people, and the people couldn't even read it. They couldn't read it in English. They couldn't read it in Spanish. This is the great challenge. Because in our minds, we go, oh, English or Spanish, English or Chinese, English or Filipino, English or Vietnamese, English or, I mean, you've got all these different languages, right, that, that are in the United States. And still, you will not be comprehensive enough to hit everybody. So I think if they want to call it by its Aztec name, God bless them. If they wanna, if they wanna call it the poinsettia, okay, be careful. And if you wanna call it something else, you call it something else. It's just really incredible. Think of the shamrock. Think of the shamrock. Do you think that's a Celtic word? I don't know. But I bet it's a different word for the Celts that lived in Ireland pre 500 AD. That's all I'm saying. Language changes. Circumstances change. It's very hard to hold people to a standard that no longer actually exists, except in small corners, other than trying to be understanding, I guess. And now you know the rest of the story. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. All right, you know, as part of the Quick Five, I was going to talk about Southwest and the other airlines canceling thousands of flights across the U.S., but you know that story already. And again, I'm going to encourage you to pick wisely when you buy a ticket. Sometimes the cheapest rate isn't the best way to go at all. Have you noticed that the TV ratings are start, are starting to fall? It seems to me that there are people who are saying, I, I don't feel like consuming the stuff that's on TV right now. Now we're going to start watching stuff in the streaming era that looks a little bit better to us. You know, this is a marketplace as well. Everybody knows that. Uh, late night TV is not as funny as it once was. So the only people that are watching the late night TV are progressives. Other people are turning to streaming. That's why you get these uh, ratings, these super high ratings on things like Yellowstone and, and the programs that people really do like. Uh, they're able to avoid the garbage, which is a technical term, uh, from Hollyweird that they're trying to shove down your throat. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really simple, easy uh, economy to figure out. You watch, they get paid. You don't watch, they get canceled. Rinse and repeat. One of the saddest, most heartbreaking stories 
during the current Biden economy is the fact that people are now giving up their pets because of inflation. When the street cats of Chicago's Hyde Park get out of control, Francis Spaltro's neighbors know they can call her for help. She shuttles the cats to foster homes, but there aren't enough for all the strays, which often aren't strays at all, just uh, pets looking for their homes and the owners that turned them outside. Wintertime, they're throwing cats out onto the streets of Chicago. During the worst days of summer when Chicago's oppressive heat drove abandoned animals to court strangers for food and water and air conditioning, Spaltro's Rescue assisted 35 homeless cats from a neighborhood of fewer than 30,000 residents. Why is it happening? Inflation. Who's inflation? Bidenflation. People cannot afford to take care of their pets any longer uh, because Joe Biden has just made it too prohibitively expensive. It's disgusting. Piers Morgan's Twitter account posted uh, offensive messages about the Queen and Ed Sheeran in an apparent hack. Yep, that's right. That's what he's saying. By the way, does he actually mean the Queen and Ed Sheeran as if they were a couple? That would be weird. I think it was two different people being insulted. And then finally, tech mobiles lost $433 billion this year in terms of valuation. These are companies that you rely on, that you invest in. Well, they're taking a major haircut, which means your 401k may become a 202k or a 201k. Uh, It's incredible, ladies and gentlemen. That is your quick five. Don't put your pets out in the winter. Don't put your pets out in the summer. Put the folks at the White House out in 2024. What makes somebody fat phobic at the gym? Let's talk about it. Are you going to the gym so you can get a flat stomach? Or are you going to the gym so you can build a stable core and have better posture? Are you motivated to go to the gym so that you can lose weight? Or are you focused on increasing muscle and bone density? Do you only consider a workout good when you feel sore or tired the next day? Or do you look to feel energized and awake after working out? Are you prioritizing leg day because you want your butt to look super delicious? Or is it because you know strong glutes help protect your knees and your back? Wanting to work out does not make anyone fat phobic, but the motivations why you might go to the gym do. No way. That, that, these people do not really exist. I can't believe that these people really exist. That's a TikToker telling you that going to the gym so you can lose weight is, in fact, fat phobic. What's wrong with fat phobia? Like, you know, if I'm if if I'm if I'm phobic from snakes or if I'm phobic with uh, uh, taking drugs that might kill me or drinking alcohol, there's phobia can sometimes be a good thing. Okay, it's a it's a self preservation device. In some cases, I am not going to go climb Mount Everest. You know why? I don't like high open spaces. So I'm phobic of a high open space, which guarantees me pretty much that I am never going to fall off uh, Mount Everest or or Denali or any of the other big uh, mountains out there and around. And by the way, by the way, how dare you? How dare you question my truth about why it is I go to the gym? My my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth, and never the twain shall meet. The fact of the matter is, you don't get to judge. You don't have the right to judge me uh, based on my truth. If it's my, if it was Santos's truth, we'll talk about him later in the show, and it's my truth, then you can't judge my truth. Maybe I'm fat. Maybe I come from a family of fatties. 
maybe I come from a family of it. Perhaps I have a number of fat people in my family that have died at a very early age because of uh, arterial sclerosis or uh, the common parlance that can be used in some communities. They, they got to grab her. I mean, it's, you know, it is, it's a terrible thing. I want to be fit. I want to look more like Jack LaLanne at 90 uh, than, than I do, uh, you know, somebody being featured on a Discovery Channel show at 32. I mean, this is this is what it comes down to. So you don't get to judge other people for why they go work out. And I, I don't know anybody who wants a delicious butt. What was the term she used? It was something like that. Do you want a, a tasty butt, a delicious butt? I don't know. I don't want that either. You know what I want? I want to do my reps. I want to do my I want to do all my exercises. I'll tell you the I'll tell you the exercise I do. Here's the exercise I do. You know what I like? I like the high intensity interval training. I like the HIIT. You know why? Those workouts are done in like 25 minutes and you bust a lot of energy into that. But you're done in 25 minutes so that you are back home eating healthy salads and ramen or whatever you want to eat cuz I'm not judging you. I don't judge anybody. Um, and, and so this, this whole fat phobic thing, we have got to, in 2023, finally banish the phrase phobic from our lexicon. We need to become phobic phobic of the phobias and just say, I'm not, I'm not hearing it anymore. That's baggage that you have got to unpack. I don't have to unpack that baggage because I don't need to unpack that baggage. But, but look at it this way. You've got people that want to manage the lives of so many other folks in our country, in our society, who's personal lives are positively disasters you know who i'm talking about you've seen these people you know what i mean these people that have answers for everybody else's challenge and they can't make their rent payment on time they can't pay their credit cards or student loan bills they can't maintain a stable relationship they're just a constant disaster about to make landfall the climate folks kind of fall into that category there's a piece that ran that i did a quadruple take your junk drawer full of small unused electronics is a big climate problem wait so my drunk junk drawer my junk drawer is a climate problem think for a minute about your personal electronics no not the computer or tablet or smartphone that you're using right now Think instead about all the DVD players, phones, keyboards, chargers, TV remotes, gaming consoles, MP3 players that are buried in the darkest corners of your closet or within the impenetrable depths of your overstuffed junk drawers. It's a decent amount of stuff, right? These small household electronics could be donated, repaired, or recycled in theory. Their components can be used in new products. But even for people who may know this already, there's a tendency to hoard so-called e-waste. Electronic products that are old, broken, obsolete, or are simply no longer in use. While hoarding a stash of old devices may seem like a harmless quirk, experts say it's environmentally detrimental because it's happening on such a long, a large scale. It's really an issue of grave concern, this hoarding. And it's difficult to address because of, uh, because of consumer behavior. Why do people behave the way they do? Says Pascal Leroy, Director General of the WE Forum. 
It's W-E-E-E. A Brussels-based association of global e-waste management organizations. There's something in us that prevents us from properly disposing of it or properly recycling it. Wait a, wait a minute. How, how do you know? How do you know that, that, that I'm not going to use that? How do you know that? Now they give you the scary number. Consider, for example, that consumers will stop using roughly 5.3 billion smartphones and mobile phones this year, according to the Wii Forum. Stacked flat atop one another, the group calculates these products would rise 120 times higher than the orbit of the International Space Station or about an eighth of the way to the moon. In a better world, those phones or their parts would find a second life. But in the reality, but in the reality, many will be trashed or become household dust magnets. If I've got it in a cabinet, it's not hurting the environment. Okay, I'm waiting for the future technology to perfect itself so that I can then recycle this. That's all I'm doing. I'm being responsible. I'm not being irresponsible. And by the way, why can't we just put this stuff and shoot it up into space? Send it out into the depths of space. At some point, it'll circle, go right into the sun and burn up. We'll be fueling the sun. That, well, don't want to try to explain it to you guys. Now, now you're tech phobic. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Nothing like a Florida man involved in drinking a little bit too much and then, well, fighting a cop. That's right. Here we go. A man released from prison two months ago is now the suspect in a bizarre DUI incident that included him attacking a Florida deputy, then rapping, quote, you think I'm scared of prison. According to the Putnam County Sheriff's Office, the incident happened on Christmas when a crash was reported at the intersection of Cisco Road and Olivia Lane in Pomona Park. The Sheriff's Office said in a news release, Pomona Park is about 75 miles south of Jacksonville. Upon arrival, the deputy made contact with a man sitting in the driver's seat of a Hyundai Sonata that appeared to have hit the Olivia Lane road sign. The vehicle was still running, and he appeared unconscious with a bottle of alcohol in his lap. The sheriff's office reported uh, that the deputy turned the vehicle off and instructed the uh, suspect to exit the vehicle. He attempted to exit the vehicle, then sat back down and tried to start the vehicle. The deputy then pulled him out of the vehicle. That's uh, when the 39-year-old pushed the deputy knocked his radio to the ground, and tried pulling the deputy's gun out of its holster. The deputy was able to take him to the ground, secure him with the assistance of fire rescue personnel, and after securing the man, the suspect began rapping to the deputy, you think I'm scared of prison. The driver lives about six miles from the crash site and was taken to the hospital for a medical exam, then put in the jail under a $185,000 bond. Officials say the charges include battery of a law enforcement officer and trafficking Amounts of oxycodone, possession of a controlled substance with no prescription, and resisting an officer with violence. Oh, they also gave him obstructing police by depriving means of communication, knocking the radio out of his hand, and possession of marijuana. So, so there you go on that one. Also, a Florida man beat up his girlfriend with an ornament, a holiday ornament. 55-year-old man, you know better than that. 
allegedly attacked his girlfriend with a holiday ornament on Christmas morning, according to documents. It was Frankie Caldwell of Clearwater, Florida, arrested after he struck his girlfriend in the head with an angel figurine during a confrontation in the couple's home at 7 a.m. on Sunday. This is terrible. The fragile Christmas ornament was shattered into pieces as a result of the attack, and the unnamed victim claimed that bits had fallen down the back of her dress. Seven o'clock in the morning. Have a cup of coffee and relax, man. There's no need for assault with a deadly angel. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.